If you are able for the reading of God's holy word, would you stand as we go to the gospel according to St. Luke, to the 19th chapter, and these uh, <clears throat> words beginning with the 41st verse. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known even you, especially in this day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the day will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground that they will not leave you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Oh Lord, in our time, make us aware that your word is eternally true and applies to all circumstances and situations. In Jesus' name, amen. May these children's cries be a blessed witness to us. Uh, I'm serious. Don't laugh. I'm serious. Of the holiness of God and the preciousness of life. Because I want to address America today. I normally, as you know, have a scriptural theme that I continue and do not vary. But today I am varying and I'm varying because of something that happened this week that is merely the, the uh, culmination uh, of a spirit that has been going on in America and Western Europe for some time. I told Brian Page I was going to mention him in the sermon today. When Brian was in Sunday school, Martha Cobb always had the children memorize a verse or cite a verse from memory. And this has been verified by Martha Cobb to me personally. Everybody knows how diligent Brian is, and uh, he always had the same verse, which is from uh, the Gospel of John, Jesus wept. <laughs> Shortest verse in the Bible. Therefore, what? The easiest to memorize. But today I'm reading from that other passage about Jesus weeping. And I want us to reflect on life in light of that. This passage of Jesus weeping as, is, as he's just completed the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And we know that the people celebrated his coming. The disciples put their clothes in the street and the people broke palm fronds and began to wave them and they all began to shout, 
Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. They were all cheering. And, and normally that when you were being received that way, it would bring gladness to your heart. But it did not bring gladness to Jesus' heart. It brought sadness to his heart. And it brought sadness to his heart because he realized their hearts were not truly with him. He realized that he was not the worldly Messiah they wanted. And he realized that the saddest thing of all was that the, that the way and the will of God most perfectly was made known in their midst. And yet they would not hear it and they would not see it. And that broke the Savior's heart. It broke his heart because he was bringing to them the very truth of life, the very way to life, the very grounds of true joy and peace. And they would not have it. They would not have living in the glorious and joyous life that is in obedience to God. And he was very much aware that in the rejection of the will of the true and living God, just as belief and faith has a wonderful consequence, rejection has a terrible consequence. And he knew where that consequence was going for Jerusalem because they sought a false messiah. They sought a political messiah. They sought one, someone who would throw off the yoke of Rome and reestablish a worldly kingdom of David. He knew the consequences for that. He knew they didn't have the power to do that. And furthermore, he knew that was not in the will of God. For God's kingdom is not of this world. He knew that. And he knew that the consequences of rejecting his message would be that Rome would surround Jerusalem. Which they did. Only slightly more than... 34 years later, he knew that. He knew they would surround that city and they would level it and they would kill every man, woman, and child that remained in that city and those that could escape would flee over the world and never come home again until 1947. He knew that the consequences of ignoring and rejecting God are terrible. Terrible for individuals and terrible for a nation. In 1979, a old-fashioned conservative Presbyterian theologian and Dr. C. Everett Koop, who was the Surgeon General appointed by Ronald Reagan wrote a book. That book impacted a lot of people. It impacted me called Whatever Happened to the Human Race. And uh, as I read that book, I, I realized what profound teaching I was receiving. And they address the issue primarily of abortion. You see, Roe versus Wade had been recently enacted by the Supreme Court of the land, granting free access to abortion. Now, let me just go back. 
You know, abortion did not become a popular thing in America or an advocated thing until the 1960s when people began to practice immoral sex outside of marriage. And sometimes when that happens, babies happen. And so that is the way the world dealt with unwanted. It's unwanted. There are no unwanted pregnancies. It's unwanted pregnancies. It has a damnable origin. But Dr. Schaefer made a point in that book that, that, that the world is shaped by ideas, what people think. And ideas have consequences, don't they? This past week, in the state of New York, fast becoming the most godless place in America, I think it's going to surpass San Francisco, in the state of New York, the legislature passed a law that a child could be aborted right up to the time of its birth. Now what that means is a child that guaranteed could live could be aborted. There's only one way you do that. You kill a child in the womb. Or as some wicked doctors do, kill it after it comes out of the womb. I heard that. And then I was even more troubled when I saw the people cheering and applauding. And I struggled, Lord, how, how do I react to this? It's an abomination. It's an abomination. There are churches right here in this city, so-called churches, who think abortion is just fine. If you know anybody going to one of those hell holes, you need to tell them to get out. What is the reaction of God? I reflected over that. Because I, I have to see in, in my own life to, to react as I think the Lord reacts. And as I reflected upon this, the, the Lord led me to this scripture. And I had a vision of the Lord looking over our land. And weeping. And weeping. And weeping. We of all nations were founded not only with a belief in, but because of the belief in a true and living God. There were 13 original colonies, with the exception of Virginia and the Carolinas, who were business enterprises to begin with, primarily. All the other colonies were founded in order to more clearly express their living out of the gospel. You can go from Massachusetts 
which was founded by the pilgrims and later on by the members of the Plymouth Bay Colony. Why did they come to America? Because they came to America because they believed the Bible to be the supreme rule of the church and that wasn't believed in England. They came for religious reasons. Rhode Island was founded by uh, Roger Williams because he uh, understood uh, the Bible a bit different, but he still wanted to live out his faith. He was a Baptist in the midst of a bunch of Congregationalists, and he, he came down and started Rhode Island and began uh, a great missionary work to the Indians. Pennsylvania, the Fox, the Quaker families, they came to start that. And, 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 and if, if you read American history, and if you study the Constitution, while Jefferson and, and, and Franklin may not have been personal Christians, it's clear their profound influence was Christian. And most of the men that put their life on the line for the country, the revolution, were Christians. And you, you don't have to look very deeply into the Constitution to see the impact and of the of the gospel you know uh, christian nations are the only nations that have take seriously human freedom and the right of it how far have we fallen how far have we fallen When I said about the baby crying, and I rejoiced to hear it. I rejoiced because there are still people who love the Lord and who treasure his gifts as children, as I know this church does. And we know that the taking of innocent life is a sin before God. And I'm going to tell you this, my friends. When Jesus weeps over us today, and he is weeping, he's weeping for the judgment that is coming upon this land unless it repents. Dr. Schaefer said in that book, he and uh, Mr. Cook, I had the privilege of personally meeting Mr. Cook one time. I don't say much about this. Uh, this East Tennessee hillbilly once was invited to serve on a presidential commission during the Reagan administration, and I did. And I got to meet Mr. Cook, and I was so impressed with the depth of his life. Great, famous surgeon, pediatric surgeon. Godliness just emanated from him. They probably wouldn't let him in Washington, D.C. today. But, but, but they said in that book that, that abortion is a long step towards the devaluation of the worth of a human life. And when you devalue human life, you sow the seeds of destruction. For lives are precious. Thou shalt not commit murder. That's in the Bible, you know. You may not have known it. And it's in the law books because it was in the Bible. Look what's going on in the streets of our town. You cannot pick up, and now it's even come to Burlington. You cannot pick up the paper unless you hear about someone being shot dead on the street. Lives taken. Little baby killed in a drive-by shooting in Greensboro a while back. Innocent. Just having to be in the wrong car. Don't you see that, that 
that really you can begin to date from that period the devaluation of human life and how it's being expressed. A recent governor of Colorado advocated putting to death old people in nursing homes when they could no longer feed themselves. The notion that the moment a life becomes a burden to society or any other person means that it should be terminated. And we see this week the evil coming to fruit in America. I was talking to a young woman a while back. I don't like to use the term snowflake, but that's what she is. And she said, well, I, 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 I'm pro-life, but, but I believe uh, the mother has the right to an abortion. Now, I don't know how that makes sense. Can anybody help me? Uh, can anybody help me think a square circle? And I said to her, I said, well, the mother's able to speak for herself. Who speaks to the baby? Who speaks to that little baby in the womb about his rights or her rights? Her right to life. His right to life. And they have no answer. Let me tell you what the problem is. The problem is in America. We see this abortion thing going on. We see uh, heterosexual immorality approved. I know people in our world don't like to hear this, but it is a sin to live together and not be married according to the Bible. And I know we don't want to say anything to our children or grandchildren when that goes on, but, but, but that's the fact. And it is a sin to have sex between same sexes. They're both equal, friends. Heterosexual sin is just as equal as homosexual sin. Both are out of the will of God. And you see the effects of that happening in a society. And the taking of human life, innocent life, our culture, up until the early part of the 20th century, was centered upon the true and living God. He was the basis by which we decided right and wrong. He was the basis that defined value. I can back that up with history. I can back it up with the studies of, of towns and their outlooks at that time. But then there came a shift. You know, I'm always admonishing you all to, if you want to understand the world, to read Romans chapter 1. If you want to know what's going on in the world today and why it is the way it is, that's the place to learn. For Paul writes... For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men 
who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That's what's happening today. A preeminent, a, a famous doctor from Nashville who teaches at Vanderbilt University, an obstetrician, said this week, there is no medical reason ever to abort, abort a late-term child. And do you know what the reaction was? Not to debate him, not to... The reaction of society has been to give him death threats. They don't want to come into the light. So Paul says that they said, because what they may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. God's plan is revealed in nature. Did you know that? Mamas protect their babies, don't they? I had a dog one time just loved me to death. And then she had puppies. And while those puppies were little, any time I walked near the dog box, she would growl. Animals know the difference between male and female, do you know it? Now, some doctors may not know it. I heard one of our members here told me they had to fill out a form that, at, at, a, at a hospital somewhere in this area that had two, 32 uh, sexual preference choices to define your sexuality. I'd be scared for that doctor to look at me. <laughs> <laughs> Paul is saying it's evident, God's plan. And it has been evident to both pagan and believers the certain essential truths about the nature of God and his plan. And what do we do? Paul goes on to tell you that we ignore it. We do not worship the true and living God, but we worship idols. And we got idols today. Please don't uh, make the mistake of thing we don't. In fact, the greatest idol has always been the most tempting idol of all, and that is to worship yourself and your own wants and your own desires before God. And that's exactly what's happening in the United States and Europe today. And the effect of that is a growing depravity. You know, we don't move away from God and everything remains horizontal. That's not the way it happens. When you move away from God, it is a descending spiral. And things do not stay the same. You know that in your own spiritual life, in those moments where you give in to temptation, as I do, you know that those moments, it doesn't stay the same, does it? And you've got to get back. You've got to repent. You've got to get out of whatever idol may be tempting you. And it's the same for a society. And if a society does not acknowledge in obedience the true and living God, they don't remain the same they move further and further away into chaos. Do you remember in the debates where the only debate about sexuality was about homosexuality? That hadn't been so many years ago. 1980s. Well, the Christian faith and the true and living God was ignored in society. Now, what are we talking about? Transgenderism. And I tell you, worse things are on the way. Because you see, that is a, a spiritual principle. And we need to know that. 
that the father, you turn from God, the father and father, it goes. I weep for my nation. Even as I weep over my own sins, but I weep for my nation. These precious little children here, little Gracie back there, the twins. What kind of world will they live in? Things are not going to get any better by moving away from God. You got an actress celebrating her abortion in Seattle. God's weeping. And I'm weeping. I think about little Michael and my family just born. Was he going to live in a Venezuela? Is he going to live in some hellhole like Rome was in its latter years? Where they would take any child and do with any child as they willed? Do you ever think about those things? The Lord wept because life was made available and the people wouldn't have it. The United States of America, as with any individual, has no hope unless it repents and turns from its sin and worships the true and living God and to seek after his righteousness. That's his only hope. I mean, you, you know, let me tell you something, friends. This sin going on has consequences. It has consequences for people you love. You may not live to see it, but it does. So where are we as believers? I want to finish up real quick because I know we've got a business meeting. Where does this put us as believers as we weep? We ought to weep and beg God for a revival. We ought to beg him to turn our people's hearts back to him. That's the easy part. But we need people, believers today, who stand on the word of God alone. We need people today who are going to risk what this doctor in Nashville risked. We need people today who will stand up I remember back in the civil rights movement when it first got started, and I, I had a segment of my family had a serious problem with racism. And I remember at the dinner table one day that old verbiage coming out where they judge people by their color or class and not by their individual merits. And I said something contradictory to what was being said. Why? Because that's that what they were saying was against God's word. Does it bother you when things are said against God's word? Does it bother you enough to speak up? I spoke up. Made a, everybody and part of my daddy's family mad at me. And one of them said, oh, you're just like everybody, all these other people. You use the N-word, lover. I said, indeed I am. Indeed I am. 
I love the African, I love the Chinese, I love the Japanese, I love everybody. Red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in his sight. So call me that if you wish, but you call me that correctly. We've got to become a people that stand for the truth. Why is it that when the pro-abortion movement maybe has 100 people show up in Greensboro, why is it that we didn't get on buses in this church, in the Baptist church, and all those true churches, why didn't we bus into that city and fill it up to the point that the truth of God could not be ignored? Man, I don't want to make waves. You better be making waves. Because to be silent in the face of evil is to approve of it. So we need to pray. But we need to act. You buy products from a company that promotes abortion and you provide abortions. Did you know that? You ever thought about that? Christians are at fault for what's making God weep today. Did you know it? Because we don't have backbones. And when we don't have backbones, it causes the Lord to weep over us. Did you know that? Love those that are doing wrong, but do not love what they are doing. Love them enough to tell them the truth. Jesus told Jerusalem the truth. They didn't hear it. They may not hear us. But he was obedient even to death. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not being heard in America today, and we're the reason. Yes, I've come to the conclusion that the Lord indeed has an unrighteous anger. But greater than that anger is the sorrow for what that sin is bringing upon us. Church of Jesus Christ, it's time to quit sitting on the premises. That's what we do most of the time. We sit on the premises. It's time for us to stand on the promises. And the promise is this. To all who honor me, I will honor. That's a Bible principle. Amen.